Hey, Real Talk listeners, welcome back. We talked about in the last session all the crazy ass shit we're doing. Did you know that we're doing all that stuff? We have all these products to offer you. We obviously don't list them all on our website because we obviously personalize every situation to each of our clients. Today, we're going to talk about who does it well. And this is really spurred off because there's a lot of companies doing things really well. And we want to kick off the rest of this series talking about who who are like working on different shifts, priorities, different topics in a positive way, as well as like who's doing things well, what companies are out there, what are they doing? And this one specifically, this session, we're going to talk a little bit about DEI. Michelle found a Forbes article where there's eight companies that are doing it well. I mean, most of these companies, let's be real, we haven't heard of, or you may have not have heard of, I should say. But we obviously dig in, like, who's doing DEI well? Like, this is a topic, Michelle, we are constantly talking about DEI. It's great to talk about who is knocking it out of the park. And quite frankly, you know, interestingly enough, I watched a Netflix series. So if any of you have uh, seen, there's a Netflix series about Abercrombie and Fitch out right now. I don't know if it will be on in the future, but it is out right now. It's a Netflix actual film. And they talked a little bit about hiring a chief diversity officer as a result of a lot of their poor employee practices that were very discriminatory and quite frankly, racist on some of their teas and whatnot. It was a very interesting movie. I'm not trying to drop too many bombshells because I want everybody to go out there and actually watch what not to do as a CEO in an organization. I mean, quite frankly, the CEO was quite genius, to be honest with you, because he had a very well-articulate business model and he targeted a certain demographic. However, with times evolving, that demographic and that probably that situation would not have gotten as far and given him as much wealth in today's market, or I would hope not, at least. I am actually proud to say I never shopped at Abercrombie & Fitch, so I never actually provided or donated any funds to that organization in my life. But I understand why people did in the past. And I've been having conversations with, quite frankly, everyone, including my fiance, about the love of the brand and what it looked like back in the day, which was super crazy to me that people would wait hours in line to buy a piece of clothing, quite frankly. But it is what it is. So they hired a chief diversity officer and started making momentum here, which is a critical role in your organization. And I know in a lot of organizations, we target small and medium. They can't afford a chief diversity officer. So they highly rely on someone completely educated in this space to be their leader of HR. Thankfully for me, I am certified in this area. So I'm able to assist you and your organization to evaluate a lot of your policies to see if you're using the right language, as well as a lot of your practices as well. And I think it's good to kind of review these every once in a while, every several years, especially since things are evolving quite rapidly these days, as quick as inflation, quite frankly. I know I've been talking a lot. I swear Michelle is on this podcast. Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about this Forbes article and who are these people and what are they doing? You know what? The reason that I thought, hey, let's go this direction is one of the things you and I have said over and over again to organizations is if you're not in a place where you can hire someone, you're not in a place where you can get a consultant, at the very minimum, you can start looking at what other companies do well. And you can start to implement that within the teams that you have. 
those conversations are what prompted the idea of, you know what, let's, we've done it a couple of times. Let's do it one more time. We're going to give you some companies that you could start looking towards to really talk about what you could implement within your organization. But to kick it off, I want to talk about an article from Fast Company. So we've got Forbes and Fast Company that are both being referenced in this article or in this episode. And this particular article, first of all, they talk about how they rank the companies in regards to what makes them fall into high diversity, equity, inclusion, or low. And in addition to some of the knowns, and we talk about this a lot, they're the things that people see as obvious, like religion or race. But then there are other things that you need to factor into that as well. So they want to make sure that you understand we're not just looking at this very one-sided. And the advice from the article after doing the survey was, it's time to become less performative by requirement. And what they meant by that was there's this underlying belief that let's all just move in a happy direction together. But the reality is what they're finding through surveys is that we're not all moving in a happy direction together. Some of us started moving. Some of us are continuing to move. Some of us started moving and went, okay, we did our part and then stopped. And then some of us never decided to join the bandwagon to begin with, right? And so as organizations, it is time that you start to make it a requirement that your policies change to force diversity, equity, inclusion. You need to look at what you've pledged in the past, whether it was pledges that you made as a result of horrific incidents that happened in the world or even right after George Floyd's murder, a lot of companies came out and said, we're going to be proactive. So whether you made those public pledges internally to your employees, your stockholders, or on social media to the world, it's all a representation of how you're viewed and where you fall on that list of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So look back at your pledges and ask yourself, have you done that stuff? And then it's time to realize you've got to go deeper. This is a systematic problem. It is systemic which means it is embedded in the culture of every decision and every action. It's almost, I don't want to use the word indoctrinated because then it sounds like we're talking about cults here, but you have basically created an environment where there is a belief that this just is the only way things can be done. And so it doesn't even become a conscious effort anymore on people's part. They just do it because that's what they do. And so you've got to start digging deeper to look at some of those systemic problems. You got to start listening to your people and you got to take what they say seriously. If you are not ready to listen to their actual words, I would tell you, you can listen to their feet when they're resigning and walking out the door because it could be an indication of what they think about the organization overall. So I'm going to stop there. We're not going to go any further. There were quite a few more tips. So one of the first companies I want to showcase is actually, if you are from the Detroit area, you will know them as the Rock family of companies. But the company that was featured was Rocket Companies. Have you heard of Rocket Companies, Maria? Uh, Yes, I actually have. They're a fintech company in the lending industry. 
And as a part of the Rock family of companies, they are basically leading their strategy based on what Jay, their CEO, announced shortly after George Floyd's murder. He came up with a six-point plan in the wake of that murder where every company within the umbrella of the Rock family of companies would implement this program. And Rocket Companies, according to the research, is doing it really well. And so the six-point plan, I'm just going to give you some high-level stuff because guess what, guys? You can Google this and it will come up because these guys are proud of the moves that they've made. So they're sharing it with the world. So if you Google them, you will find the actual screenshot of the document of the diversity and inclusion six-point plan. And so it says, focus, the world's taking a pause to watch our nation face the largest demonstration against injustice and racism and for human rights. We have created a six-point action plan for advancing the discussion on race, law enforcement, engagement, and inclusion. Our mission is to leverage our for more than profit philosophy and culture to impact the outcome on race, engagement with law enforcement, equity, and inclusion. And they broke their work streams down into six categories, recruiting, team member engagement, leadership development, internal affairs, and community partnerships. That was one. Law enforcement engagement and communications. So they wanted to be able to tackle this from lots of areas. You know, a company that we've worked with in the past, when we were talking about their succession plan, I'm laughing because it hurts sometimes how ridiculous things are. But we were talking about their succession plan and they said, we're two generations away from really having more females at a higher level, at an executive level. And when we say two generations, we're not talking about a lifespan. We're talking about like an employee lifespan, which is probably around the six-year, four to six-year timeframe, at least at that level. And so we're at least eight years, possibly 12 years away from really having a more diverse leadership. And I paused and said, why? What? Huh? They got to be people around here. <laughs> I don't even understand your statement. But one of the downfalls was how they brought people into the organization to begin with. Their recruiting strategy. They recruited primarily word of mouth, which meant people were likely to hire like individuals. They hired people they could get along with because that's human nature. Hire somebody like me. They'll agree with me. We'll get along and have fun. People don't normally, like me and you, Maria, people don't normally thrive on disagreements. And so recruiting with one of this, the top strategies, their objective was to enhance the ability to attract, engage, and hire diverse talent from the start. They did that by taking a really hard look at their data. As you guys know, ATS systems look for specific words or phrases Some of them can even be programmed to exclude people because a name is hard to understand or to translate, which can immediately narrow 
your hiring pool just by things like that. And so one of the first things that they did was really take a look at the data and how are they mining and what does get someone thrown out of the process. They changed their marketing, whether it was where the marketing happened, what the marketing said, images that the marketing used. They changed all of those aspects of how they market to work within their organization. And then they implemented a strong training program, a training program for recruiters and HR. Because in most companies, if you have a recruiting team, they're like your gatekeeper. They're there to say yes or no. They're either going to get past that person to interview with a hiring manager or not. But in addition to making sure that we have really well-educated recruiting teams, it was critical that the hiring managers get trained as well. And so you can look at this plan and see that they put significant work in. How do I fix it from every area? I think those are all great practices. Essentially, when you're talking about setting up a DEI strategy, that's what you need to look at. You need to have it fully well-rounded. You need to have everybody educated on what that means within your organization and how you're actually going to apply it. Michelle, any uh, other last-minute highlights or tips and tricks from these companies and these two articles? So I am going to leave you with a couple of names, and I'm going to say, go check these people out. If you're trying to do this on your own, which I would tell you not to, Never do it on your own. At least get a group involved if you're not going to outsource. But if you're trying to do it on your own, here are a couple of companies that you could check into. Brand XR. They've done some incredibly good things, including taking a look at their benefits because benefits can either include or exclude people in the process. To Doodle is another good one. They've done quite a few really good things. Hush. H-U-S-H is a company that has not only looked at diversity, equity, inclusion, but also started to integrate remote or digital aspects that allow them to recruit from anywhere in the world, which changes your applicant pool pretty dramatically when you open it up that way. And so they'll give you some ideas around that. Ballet Ready is a good organization from Chicago that can talk to you about how to take a hands-on employee engagement aspect by looking at some of the employee resource groups that you can implement. General Motors has some really good stuff too, and you can download a lot of it online. And KLA, which is a global tech company, they're also a really good one if you want to understand the impact of doing an employee resource group well. So doing an employee resource group isn't just about letting people of the same religion hang out together, right? It's about having that group of people use their knowledge of their religion to help the entire organization see what they bring to the table. And so KLA is a great way of really helping you understand how to set up an ERG within the organization where you get actual change as a result of it. And as always, you can use consultants like us to help you implement those practices as well. Super insightful. If you want insights into the article, feel free to reach out to us, check them out, and start diving into your DEI. What are you doing in your department to make an impact on this? 
Until next time, everyone. Take care. Bye.